From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, the home of the agent-centric contact center philosophy. We talk about how agents with the right training tools and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you can have for your business, and they're going to ensure that your customers are both satisfied and connected. And as they are, they're going to be producing more and better work. They're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. So this week on the show, we're talking about the impact of AI on today's labor realities in CX. And joining us, we have Corey Kosteka with Remex, a company that provides labor to the CX industry. Welcome back on the show, Corey. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Super excited about this uh, discussion over AI. I think it's extremely relevant right now and uh, look forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, you're you're definitely a, a massive veteran of the show. Um, and uh, we're really glad to have you with us, man. This is a topic that there are a lot of angles. The, the buzz about AI is enormous with the growth of chat GPT and the ways that it's being employed using natural language processing in so many industries in so many ways. So you see it in vendor marketing. You see it in leadership pressure to integrate some form of AI. It's almost like table stakes if you're making some attempt to grow or even justify your CX organization. Uh, it's seen as the the single biggest way to cost cut to increase efficiency. And boy, are cost cutting things kind of everywhere right now. But the bottom line is that it's largely becoming an expectation that AI should somehow be a part of your CX strategy. And it's almost impossible to ignore at this point. And I would just say that AI is changing the way CX agents are being viewed within businesses and the potential to reduce labor costs, increase quality and efficiency are all prominent in that vendor marketing of these AI solutions. So open us up with this, Corey. How are you seeing this conversation at this stage in the game? Have the AI solutions on the market reduced the amount of labor needed by the market? Yeah, uh, absolutely. As you said, it's very relevant. And if, you know, I'm scrolling through my LinkedIn feed connected with thousands of call center leaders, and that's all you hear about. And there's a lot of fear that's out there is, is this going to replace me? There's a lot of, you know, on the other side of it is how, how can we utilize this to increase our efficiencies? And I'm seeing a lot of buzz around it. And I wouldn't say that I see any major changes yet in regards to how it's affecting the labor market. I think overall, you know, the jobless claims that just came out, those are increased. The unemployment rate is increased. And if you look at the CX market, just, you know, on a micro level, I don't think that AI has anything to do with that. That's a larger, broader issue that's going on with our economy, the global economy, the global labor quantity. But what I will say is that we are in a position right now in the call center space where 
there's a ton of job openings and it seems like there's not a lot of qualified candidates out there. And I think when you have scarcity in a space like this, it really drives innovation. And I think we're going to continue to see talks about how can the innovation of AI help enhance our call center, knowing that there might be a little bit of a labor shortage going into it. But, you know, I think we're in the very early stages of just hearing the talks of that. There's no real effect today, what I'm seeing, but I think that's only going to continue to increase as the weeks go by. That's really interesting. I mean, it feels like something that is early to judge, specifically on the vendor marketing side. You know, every CX organization wants to manage costs and some have to drastically reduce costs. You're seeing an increase in outsourcing. You're seeing an increase in offshoring. You're seeing all kinds of cost cutting things happening across the CX world. But there's also a need at the same time, I think, for a recognition that the general public, the consumer base, is demanding more out of customer experience than they've ever been before as well. So I guess, you know, the promise, right, of the AI software vendors are often to say, you know, we're going to reduce the role of the employee into the interactions with employee humans versus customer humans. So my question to you next is this. Let's say that hypothetically that this proves out and the business case ends up working where the AI solution does allow for those reductions in costs and improvements to efficiencies. Where does that leave the labor market in CX? And are you thinking in the future, we're looking at a major reduction in the number of people that are just employed in the industry overall? Yeah, I think that, no, I don't think that there's going to be a major reduction overall. Um, how I'm looking at AI and a lot of the conversations I'm having with some of my clients and call center leaders is it just it's going to be more of an enhancement, not a replacement. And what that's going to do is cause a shift in the skill sets that you're bringing into your call center. Mm-hmm. I think depending on the types of calls that your center is answering, if someone's calling in and asking for a password reset, I think we're going to get to a point and we might already be there where those calls can be handled completely by AI. But that being said, what about those questions that are deeper than a password reset, where it takes a little bit of that human emotion involved in there? That's going to still need a person on the other end answering that. So I think as we see this technology advance, we're going to see more of those entry-level questions, those entry-level workers not being replaced, but a shift in those skill sets to you just need to have a higher level of that emotional intelligence coming into that role. And it's going to force call centers to you know, improve their coaching, hire on better supervisors, and really kind of update their training and what they're doing to train more on that emotional side of things and just those deeper problem-solving questions. So not a reduction in headcount within your center, but a shift of the quality of candidate that you're bringing in for the harder to answer questions that maybe the AI bot's not going to be able to to do. That's really interesting. Maybe a quick follow-up question there, because we talk about in CX agent empowerment all the time. You know, we talk about the desire of an agent to be able to solve a customer's problem without having to pass to another tier, to be able to engage with a customer in real time with their needs that they're having on the call or in the interaction. And so if we're going to be seeing those dynamics like you're talking about where now the AI is handling some of the, we'll call them simpler tasks or tasks that require less empathy or less critical thinking or less um, open-ended input to understand 
what is happening because that is the main limitation with AI, right? It, it only knows how to do what it's been taught to do. And the ability to go out and learn new things in real time is the limitation. So when there are pieces of data that need to be connected that maybe aren't always connected, that's where you're going to continue to see AI not be able to step in until we have something that's approaching sentient AI, which we'll save that for a different topic. Actually, next week, we're going to be talking about ethics and how ethics relate to this AI versus human intelligence conversation. And I think that'll be a fantastic conversation to have with our friend, Fred Stacy. But when we're talking about this shift, as you call it, and I think you're right, I do, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a shift. It's going to be sort of a parallel shift to this agent empowerment conversation where we've been asking, you know, how can we empower our agents so that they're there's less escalations, there are less tiers of, of agents required. And maybe what we're going to find is we're going to see more agents that are doing deeper, more effective work at a higher tier in the current way of talking about it. And AI is going to be able to handle some of those you know, tasks that used to be first tier. And this fits in, of course, with omni-channel and chatbot and other types of integrations with technologies that already exist on the marketplace. And I think it's going to be an interesting scenario to see to what degree that shift takes place. And another thing, maybe you have a thought on this, how it affects the average salary and compensation package that agents will see. Because I kind of have a suspicion that as AI steps in, we may see less agents on that you know, frontline first tier, but the total average in CX of compensation packages should improve for agents, which is going to drive more agents to think of this as a career. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. And once again, it says, if you can take away that entry-level question coming in, you're going to need a higher caliber candidate that can answer more than just you know that basic question. And to hire that higher level candidate or to give them more skills, you're going to have to pay them more. They're answering harder questions. So you know, I, I like the point that you said of just talking about internal processes and how AI can change that. And I agree that there's, there's two ways to look at it. You know, AI can be put out there to be customer facing to help answer questions. But a lot of the changes I think we're going to see is how is AI going to help with our internal processes that the customer is not seeing? And that's when I'm on the phone and they're asking a question and I'm looking up in my resource book, where's this question? And, you know, I'm having to manually go through this, that maybe, you know, AI is going to help pick up some of that information and get it in front of the agent faster. So, you know, although that agent's utilizing AI, the customer on the other end is not aware of that. So I think there's two shifts to look at that as, you know, does it replace this entry level question answering that an agent can do? And it's like, well, whether it can or can't, let's look at the next step of what are things that AI can't answer, but how can we still give the agent that additional ammunition to help go through their resources? But absolutely, I think that that is going to cause a pay shift. So I think a lot of companies might be looking at this as, you know, AI is going to be cheaper. We could maybe replace some of these people. But at the end of the day, now you're still going to, although you might have a reduced headcount, your labor costs are still going to be expensive because you're paying that reduced headcount more money at the end of the day. So curious to see how that plays out. But that's my prediction as well, is that it's actually a good thing for these agents' careers just because you're going you're gonna to develop yourself as an individual and learn more skills. And, you know, you're going to get rewarded for those skills. No, that's a really good point. And I like the way you connected all of those dots. But, you know, I would also say this is a big it depends situation because, you know, there are certain industries, specifically healthcare and mental health and the caring industries in particular, 
where the ability for a human to connect with a human, even on the initial touch point, is so critical that, you know, even attempting at this point with what we see in AI to replace that initial touch point with an AI bot runs the risk of alienating a customer at a moment where you just can't afford to do that. From a pure business standpoint, that's where you need to be able to connect with that customer. And, and the best training that's out there for humans that deal with those types of scenarios focuses on building a connection with the customer at that initial onset of the interaction so that you're able to solve their problem with mutual trust, right? Rather than this just being a, a transaction in order to deliver a difficult policy or in order to deliver a solution in a sensitive situation, there has to be some form of mutual trust in place. And I don't know about you, but I'm not really seeing AI standing in that gap. Yeah, no, I'm the type of person, whenever I call a customer service line, I press zero a million times until I can get a human on the phone. But to your point, I think that it's like over 70% of customers today are expecting that there's a social media channel, a chat bot, an email, a phone call, you know, so everybody expects the options, but most people still prefer that phone call for that exact reason of a relationship building and just getting frustrated with that front end working around the automated message. And for an example, I just moved into a new place that I'm living at and I was going through the process of getting my utility set up and I'm trying to become a new customer for one of these utility companies. And I kid you not, I went to their website, couldn't find the customer service line, had to go through the chatbot and it wouldn't set me up with a new account. So I tried emailing somebody, wouldn't go through. And it took me three days to get a hold of somebody and how it was resolved was a five minute phone call. But I was trying to say, hey, I want to be a new customer. And, you know, I grew up in the era of technology. I've always been using it in my whole life. I know how to navigate it really well. It's not a usability issue, but it was more so of just, it wasn't understanding what I was trying to do, or maybe majority of the questions aren't coming through those channels. And like I said, at the end of the day, that relationship where I immediately got someone on the phone and now I'm a new customer, but I was like, please take my money. And I couldn't get through this chatbot for two whole days. So Yes, I believe that that relationship piece and take the human out, someone like me who's surrounded by technology, I use it in everything I do. I still get frustrated at some of these interactions where I can't speak to somebody. You know, I just want to take a minute and kind of build out of your example there. You know, the kind of thing that I know we're already seeing with omni-channel discussions and that the AI variable is going to continue to exacerbate is a scenario where a solution is employed in a business because there are examples that with data behind them of businesses successfully employing them. That does not mean that every implementation of that technology is going to work. And it does not mean that every implementation should be the same. And so truly understanding the way that your customer interacts with the business and what it is they're trying to accomplish when they interact in different use cases and then building the way that the technologies are either capable or not capable and the way that the customer is able to perceive the correct channel for them to communicate with the brand is absolutely critical. But unfortunately, what we see is a lot of vendor marketing that says we've improved this statistic by this percentage. And then somebody on the buying committee saying, yes, we need to do that. And then they bring in an implementation and nowhere in the conversation is the customer. Nowhere in the conversation is how are we empowering our customer to achieve their business end goals, right? 
And I think that those dynamics are so prevalent right now, especially as cost cutting is just driving a frenzy of change. And you know the fears in the economy, the number of layoffs in tech, quite frankly, you've got a lot of tech salespeople out there that are just cramming deals in every month, every quarter, because they're worried about what, if they're going to be around next quarter or, or you know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, software is just a tool. And if you don't know what you need the tool to do, then you sh- you don't need the tool, you know. And, and you know, I think about this all the time. And and you know, I I'm a software vendor myself, so it seems sounds a little weird for me to be saying slow your roll, think about it. But really, like I've I've got a sharpie right here, and I like this example because this sharpie is a tool, right? And if I hold this thing for 20 hours just like this, I'm gonna have cramps. And I'm not going to be able to use my right arm the way I should, right? Or if I try to write with it with the cap on, that's not going to work out so well for me. I'm not going to accomplish what I'm trying to do. So the way that you use the tool has to be informed, has to be plugged in. And when it comes to CX, you have to start with the customer, understanding what the customer is trying to accomplish. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, who knows what your customer is trying to accomplish within your business any better than an agent? So, you know, we talk about this every week in our in our little ramp up, our list, our philosophy, but at the end of the day, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? And that kind of leads us into our next question. And I think we've kind of danced around this a little bit with a couple of the things that we've talked about so far, Corey, and that is, can AI really simulate human-to-human interaction well enough that customers will accept it? as providing an acceptable experience to brands. Because I do think the expectation of many customers society-wide, certainly in our society here in the United States, but I think really globally have been raised and the needs of customers have been raised, partially due to the dynamics related to the pandemic. The mental health of the global world has degraded. So can an AI actually provide a good enough experience because if not, all of the efficiencies, all the gains are are going to be mitigated or at least need to be weighed against the potential loss of customers, right? Yeah. Just a specific scenario that I can think of. I think human beings, they want to adapt to efficient processes. I think that if these AIs can actually make these efficiencies happen by case by case per customer, and you know what your customer needs, and you can successfully implement that, absolutely, humans will adapt to that. And an example that I have for that is ATMs. You know, before there were ATMs, there's tons of bank tellers, people going in doing their transactions, and at first, when the ATM was released, people were a little bit hesitant of, you know, do I stick my money in this? How is this going to work? Is it keeping track of everything? But people quickly realized, hey, these are these surface level positions that a machine can automate as far as the withdrawals and the deposits and checking my account balance. And I think that, you know, with the ATM and that explosion that had happened, yes, a machine did take over those positions, although people were hesitant at first. It took over those easy tasks that you can automate and people adapted to that well. That being said, what that did for the banking industry is it reduced their cost, which actually allowed them to open additional banks. So they went from having 30 tellers in a bank, maybe down to 15 because there's now ATMs available. But with that additional cost money, they opened up additional branch locations and hired 15 more. So at the end of the day, this this automation, although it could take away these tasks, it ended up being a good thing for 
the bank teller position because it created more of them, um, even though you would maybe think it was the exact opposite that was happening. So yes, in conclusion, I think that humans will and naturally do want to adapt to this ease of getting quick answers and ease of being serviced. And I do think that even though that some machines, you know, might be looked at as a threat of, is it going to get rid of those entry-level positions? Then I think there's always going to be more created from saving a, a company money from automating a lot of that stuff. And it's only going to create additional jobs to follow with that. I see the exact same thing happening in the customer service space. I just think we're at a point right now with, once again, with my utility story is that it's not doing what the ATM is supposed to do. It wasn't set up for me to use. So I would love to adapt to this technology as long as it's implemented correctly. And I think that that's where that gap and disconnect is now. But no, I do think it can create those human to human interactions depending on the interaction that you're having and depending on what the company is offering as their service. So it's an interesting example that you use because... I remember without doubt being a kid and my dad saying, Hey, we're going to open a checking account for you and taking me down to the local branch where he had done business for 20 years. He had a business account and a personal account at this bank and introduced me to the banker. And he said, this is our banker. You know, he's like borderline family friend. Right. And then there's this, couple of tellers, you know, here's Anne and here's Christine. And these are the tellers that you'll be working with. Sometimes Christine works in the drive-through window when you get your driver's license. And there, if you ever have questions or problems with your account, you can come in and talk to the, the banker. And I think the ATM was the beginning of the erosion of personal banking. And it was the shift beginning in the banking industry to where now I feel like it's just policies. You can go to almost any bank and it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. The main thing is, you know, what are the policies and, and can you navigate the policies? And then since it's going to be technology driven, you need to make sure the technology is actually accessible and works for you. You know, cause some banks are kind of in that awkward place where they're relying on older technology, but they don't really have the relationships. And then the third thing that's interesting, and I think this could happen in CX too, is now some of the banks that have competitive advantages are the banks that are bringing personal banking back. You know, I know when I switched banks recently, I went into the branch and they were looking at me like I was crazy because I was like, I really would like to talk to somebody about opening an account. And they're like, well, you can go online. And I said, no, like I, I really want to like talk to somebody. And so I ended up talking to somebody, but they were just like handing me printoffs from the internet, right? And then they said, well, I could do it for you here at the desk, but it would just be more efficient for both of us if you went home. And, and eventually I settled on a different bank. Prior, I've had a bank that had only ATMs and no branches, and I still have my accounts with that bank. So I, I've kind of lived in both. But I think ultimately in CX, what you're going to likely see, the dynamics constantly being shifted based on what the market demands. And if customers are saying, and it's probably going to be different by industry, and it's going to be different by the dynamics that exist in individual companies and the way that policies are delivered and the way that customers are treated through those things, but the potential for there being a back and forth market shift driven by AI and the overall customer experience that it provides, it's going to be pretty interesting. 
So I know we've got a question here and I want to read this out here. How do you think the degree of friction at various given touch points will impact implementation and ultimately drive adoption? Now that is an interesting one. Thanks for the question, Doug. Yeah, I mean, I'll give my thoughts, Corey, and you're welcome to chime in as well. Ultimately, the degree of friction is going to obviously be varied based on, you know, what all is trying to be accomplished. But I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, the way that people in companies make business decisions, often they're looking out for themselves primarily, right? And so I find this in in my ventures in CX software deal making is, you know, you, you're going to have the people that have something to lose with change happening. And then you're going to have people who have something potentially to gain. And those dynamics always play out. But when when you're talking about, you know, friction specifically with implementation, you know, how well does the overall current tech stack and policy and customer experience and employee experience work currently? And then what what is the demonstrable improvement that any technology can make? In my opinion, what I'm seeing so far is there's a lot of really good marketing about AI. I'm not seeing a whole lot of case studies that are actually backing up the return on investment. And we know that that it's causing friction during the implementation process. And I think maybe, don't let me speak for you, Doug, feel free to jump in. What you're saying is if there's so much friction at implementation and there's not a, a documentable ROI, how far is AI really going to take us? And I have that question as well. What are your thoughts, Corey? Yeah, I was looking at friction of more on the touch points of like from a customer standpoint of like, how much friction do I have when I'm trying to call in and get in front of the right department? And to your point is if this isn't set up correctly and that creates extra friction for me, I don't think that that's going to drive the results that the company's looking for and it's going to end up in a frustrated customer. But if I can call in somewhere and get transferred to the correct point of contact instantly because AI helped reduce the amount of touch points of, well, let me get you over here. Let me get you over here. If if it works in the end, that would create a better experience for me. And for the call center, you have now have less people waiting in the queue for a shorter period of time. And you have more calls being answered because they're going to the right place at the right time. That's the internal adoption of AI. Yeah. But once again, like I said, with the utility thing, it's just not, I'm not seeing it at a point where when I'm calling in, I'm not getting to the correct person. As you go through this whole, and it's creating more friction, which makes me more upset at the end of the day. So I think if you can, if you can decrease the amount of friction with your touch points, absolutely, that would increase the adoptability of the platform. But it's just that how do we get there? And is it there yet? And what does that look like? I don't think we have enough of those case studies to say somebody's somebody's nailed that process. I think it's a work in, work in process, though. That's a really good answer. I think you may have really nailed the spirit of what Doug was asking. And I appreciate your answer to that. And I think it's accurate, right? I mean, even the example that you gave earlier is a good example of a technology that's being presented to a customer, but isn't actually reducing friction for that customer. It increased it, right? And I think anytime you implement a technology, you have that risk. And that's where I would go back to really understanding what the customer is trying to accomplish with any interaction with your business and looking at it from a detailed standpoint interaction by interaction to design it correctly ahead of time, implement it with those things in mind and to audit it and see if those interactions are actually being handled correctly. And I guess the second part of your question, Doug, is 
related to adoption. And I think we may, if the ability to properly implement AI doesn't improve, we may see a, a quick reduction in adoption of AI solutions, at least until the understanding of how to implement it better catches up in the industry to to the scale at which it's being implemented. Because I feel like it's sort of like all hands on deck, let's all get AI going. And I don't even feel like the philosophy behind, ideology behind how AI should be implemented really gets this level of implementation and adoption on the right track at this point. Doesn't mean it's not going to catch up, but we may have a correction in the marketplace, which would be really interesting to see. Well, guys, we try to honor our time every week. Great interaction today. Thanks for your question, Doug. Corey, such a great time having you with us again, man. We'll have you back on again soon, I'm sure. And I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to your uh, future episodes. And now I'm going to have to call you after this because I want to keep this going. So thanks I know, again. Right? Appreciate I know. it. We'll do more and, and we'll pick up some of these questions in the coming weeks. Okay. Everybody have a great Tuesday. Make your world a better place. All right. Bye. Listen to a recording of this and other episodes. Visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX Live.